Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right, Tuesday night, big Tuesday night show. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a good day. Um, I just came back from seeing Riley Gaines talk at the Liberty Forum of Silicon Valley, and they are an organization in the South Bay, <clears throat> in the Bay Area, um, based out of basically, you know, San Jose, Palo Alto area, and monthly they have speakers come and talk. And this month, Riley Gaines was the speaker. And, you know, Riley Gaines is the woman who was the professional swimmer and had to compete against Leah Thomas. Now, the story goes much deeper than a woman having to compete against a man. Riley Gaines is about five foot six and Leah Thomas is about six foot four. And so Riley was talking about beginning with her, her life as a, like a five, six-year-old just swimming, right, and, and wanting to be a professional swimmer and the hours that she put into getting to the point that she got to um, as a teenager, right? So um, she started talking about all the work, all the work she had to put in, um to get to that point. And it started with just, you know, the things that you have to do as a young athlete, you know, trying to basically make it right to become the best at your sport. And she would get up at five in the morning, right. And swim for two hours, go to school. This is what she did once she started going to school, do her schoolwork, go swimming again for two more hours, go home, eat, do homework, sleep, and repeat the next day. And um, this is something that she did for every day of her life growing up because she wanted to be a professional swimmer and she wanted to be a professional swimmer really badly. And so she put in the work, she put in the hours, right? She did everything she needed to do to get to the point that she finally got to being one of the top swimmers in the country, really one of the top swimmers in the world. So you can imagine all this work and effort. And then she got to college and it was a hundred times worse, right? It was three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon, no lunch and the grueling, grueling work that you put in to become a professional athlete, to be the best in your sport. Okay. And so this is very important. She was setting all this up. And then she spoke about what happened at that competition when she had to uh, compete against Leah Thomas. There was a previous competitions where she came in like seventh and in the top eight, you're considered, you know, uh, you know, one of the best in the country. And she was very proud of what she did, but she wanted to be best. And so she goes into this competition against Leah Thomas. And uh, she also talks about how, you know, all the girls that she competed against growing up, she would compete against later in life, right? So all the girls that she would see when she was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, that she would compete again, 
she would end up competing against them as a professional athlete, right? Because you grow up competing against these girls. They put in the hours. That's how they become the best. So she had heard about Aaliyah Thomas and she wondered where did Leah Thomas come from? This is the first time that she had seen someone come out of nowhere that they had, she hadn't grown up competing against. None of the other girls knew who this Leah Thomas was. So, cause at first she thought it was a woman, of course, like any of us would, she would never ever think, consider that a man was going to be competing against her. So they were looking up Leah Thomas. And finally she discovered that, well, it wasn't Leah Thomas. You know, it was a man who was ranked like 250th when competing. No, 450th, 450th when competing against other men. Remember, Riley Gaines was in the top eight. And so at, at, at first you felt, you know, kind of relief that, you know, she finally figured out who this person was that none of the girls had ever heard of before. And that it was a blip that the, that the, you know, the college would see it eventually and recognize it and put him into the male category. Well, of course, we know that never happened. So the competition comes, the day comes, and it starts with Leah Thomas sharing the locker room with Riley Gaines, the female locker room. They were never told that a man was going to be sharing their locker room. No one warned them, oh, there's this, man with a penis hanging down that's going to be sharing your locker room that's going to be undressing in front of you so she said you know they get to the locker room and they all know each other these girls so they're chatting and they're having fun and they're getting into their outfits which she said takes like 15 20 minutes to get into and organize because they're so tight and here in walks the six foot four man with long hair pulls his pants down and there's his thing hanging out and they all felt so offended. Now, Riley Gaines felt offended in many different ways. It was offensive just as you might think. It was violating just as you might think for a, you know, a, 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 a college-age girl, a sophomore, having to see this. But just offended at the fact that the college would allow this, not warn any of them, and allow this invasion into their privacy. Things that would once be considered in a normal society as being perverted, a pervert. A man would not be allowed to go into a woman's locker room in a normal society, right? And just undress and walk around with their, with their genitals hanging down. So this was like a shot to the system right there. But then of course the competition comes and they, they, they do the competition and she tied with Leah Thomas. I'm not sure how many people knew that. They both touched the, you know, the thing you have to touch at the same time. So it was, it was a statistical tie. They tied photo finish. And so she understands that the rules are when two people tie, right? There's not necessarily any, uh, any um, trophy of first place given out. Well, <laughs> the person who's running the competition in this college comes up to her and says, yeah, we, we know it's a tie, but we're going to have to give Leah Thomas the statue because she needs to be, she, he needs to be seen with the statue. So it was all political. They wanted Leah Thomas to have the first place statue for virtue signaling reasons to begin with. So she was actually told, yes, we know you tied. You did this credible thing where a five foot six woman ties with a six foot four man. And we're going to give the, the uh, award to the man because that's what PR wants. 
And that's when she knew that she had to stand up. You know, then she's taking the photo. You may have seen the photo where she's kind of glaring at Leah Thomas. Um, and the thing that really struck me about Riley Gaines is that she said that almost everyone who publicly virtue signals says to her privately, keep going, keep going, keep going. It's just like the COVID stuff, right? Where people would say, yeah, you're right. Where doctors might tell us one-on-one we're right, but they don't want to come out publicly because they're afraid of their careers. So this has happened with the men competing in women's sports, where you have these heads of universities and these sports uh, competitions who, when they speak to her privately, they agree. But then she says, well, but we need your voice. Come out publicly and say it. And they say, no, they're not going to come out publicly and say, in fact, they don't even come. They come out publicly as though they're on the side of the trans, uh, the minority, the trans minority. So this is just, you know, enraging to hear this, that these people actually know right from wrong. They know this is crazy. They know this is a total invasion into women's sports and women's rights. Yet publicly, they go along with it. Remember what happened recently at San Francisco State. So Riley Gaines was talking about that, where she went there to make a speech at a university, at a, at the, at a college, and they wanted to attack her. They had to actually hide her in a room for three and a half hours. So instead of arresting the people who tried to attack her, they made her sit in a room for three and a half hours at the college and miss her flight. And then she had to stay in San Francisco overnight. She made this very funny comment about how about what a nightmare it was to have to be in San Francisco overnight. Of the think about ten years, but uh, so and and the next day, the the president of the university comes out with a statement applauding, applauding the people, the protesters who tried to kill her, saying she was very proud of the way they handled it. So. This is the pervasive sickness of this virtue signaling in colleges, in sports events. And the idea that it was brought up to Riley that, oh, the criticism is that it's just a, a small handful of athletes. It's not. It's, it's, it's pervasive in everything now. Children's sports, right? We're talking about prisons. Riley Gaines mentioned here in ca- California where 1,600 male prisoners – put in papers to be allowed into female prisons because they're women. They feel like they're women. We're talking about rapists. We're talking about men who rape women who are being allowed to go into women's prisons because they say they're a woman. Of course, they have gotten together realizing they're, they're perverts and they can go into – I mean this is insanity. This is total insanity. So it's not just in major sports. It's in high school sport. It's in junior high school sports. It's in prisons. It's in life now. So it's not just a few handful of trans athletes where it's not a big deal. It is a incredibly big deal, and it's a growing problem. So it was interesting listening to Riley Gaines talk about, but also incredibly enraging. And like I said, the most enraging part is that most of these people, not all of them, but most of them know they're doing the wrong thing publicly. But they're so afraid of the woke mob. They're so afraid of being canceled. Once again, this applies to climate stuff. This applies to COVID. It applies to so much. But they're afraid. So they're afraid to come out, even though they know what they're doing is morally and ethically wrong. And this is the problem. That there are too many of us who are afraid 
to simply call these trans people what they are. They're sick. They're mentally ill. But so many people are afraid to do that because of wokeness, right? Because of virtue signaling, because of the woke mob. Now, Gaines makes the great point, and I agree with her. Doing a podcast, I'm going to call these people mentally insane. This is a mental illness. But she's right. The way women win, which women should win because women's rights matter, is by talking about this, by framing it as though it's a women's rights issue. Not talking, not calling anyone crazy, not calling anyone sane, not being anti anyone, but framing it as an invasion on women's sports, on women's rights. And she's right. That is the great way to frame it. That's the way it should be framed, because that is actually what's what's happening. It's a total invasion. And she talked about the language that we talk about on this show so much, the way they're starting to talk about women in, in, in terms of the you have to call them like, you know, uh, uh there's this new thing now, which is really crazy, where you don't call it a vagina anymore. They're calling it a bonus hole, a bonus hole, H-O-L-E. So they're totally dehumanizing, you know, lang- women with language, not just with the male invasion into women's sports and destroying women's sports and being unfair to women when it comes to competition, but also Prisons, where you're putting men in women's prisons, where they can rape them and harm them. You're talking about the language that dehumanizes women. Now, what's totally amazing is that it's the left who is for this invasion on women's rights. All of a sudden now, the left doesn't, not only do they not care about women's rights, but they want to squash women's rights. They want to put women in danger. Women are in danger in prison where they're allowing men in crazy states like California in, in, in women's prisons because they say, Oh, I feel like I'm a woman now. So I'm going to go into a woman's prison and I'm going to get my rocks off, maybe rape a few of them while I'm there. Why not? Why not go for it? Right. If you're a pervert, it's a great time to be a pervert. You can simply say you're a woman or transitioning. It doesn't matter. I could say I'm starting transitioning today or yesterday. Sure. Go, Mike. Go ahead. Go into the woman's locker room here in California and many states. That's allowed. That is allowed. Simply saying I'm a woman. I could have a mustache. And so I could say I'm a woman. I have a mustache right now. You, do, you can't see me, but I have a mustache. <laughs> I'm a woman. I'm transitioning. I just started yesterday. The mustache will be gone soon. Sure, Mike. Go into the woman's locker room. You're allowed in. So this is the sickness. This is the sickness that we have allowed. And that's the amazing, mind-blowing thing, is that Republicans are now protecting women's rights and feminism. And Democrats are attacking women's rights and feminism because there's a new group that they need to virtue signal to. Okay, There's a new group that the woke mob says, you better back this group or you're fucked. You see? That's the way Democrats roll. There'll always be, and, and, and somewhere down the line, I don't know, it could be after I'm long gone. There's another, be another group, and then the trans rights will be stomp, stomped on, right? <laughs> because it'll just be another group that usurps the rights of that group. That's the way Democrats roll. Whichever woke, incredibly small, as Riley Gaines made clear, which we know, incredibly small, loud majority is yelling the loudest at that time, the Democrats, the left, cowers to. And I never thought I'd be, I never thought we'd live in a world. It's an upside down world, really, where, you know, I'm not saying Republicans 
didn't care about women's rights or feminism, but it was the left that pushed these issues. I'm not crazy. I do remember this. This wasn't like this was like 10 years ago. Right. So I remember this. It was the left that was pushing feminism. All the feminists were women. Women's rights was a big Democrat issue. Another thing that used to be a Democrat issue is, you know, health and fitness. Right. In fact, Democrats, I know, at least the coastal elites would always make fun of the fat Republic, the fat white Republicans in middle America, the fat white Republicans in the deep South eating their greasy fried food, 400 pound fat Republicans. Right. I hear this all the time. They would make fun of them. Now, MSNBC writes that it's a right wing to exercise at home. It's right wing to be a, a fitness nut. When did that happen? When did that role reversal happen all of a sudden? And so now it, you're a right wing extremist when you're a feminist. You're a right wing extremist when you want to protect women's rights. You're a right wing extremist when you want to go to a fucking gym or have a home gym. When did this happen? When did this all start? You're another you're a right wing extremist if you believe in sex trafficking and you want to protect children from sex trafficking. You're a right wing extremist. When did this all start? This is an upside down whack job clown car world. We're up is down, left is right, right is left. So when people say, oh, Mike, you used to be a Democrat, you used to be a liberal, a Bernie Crat, and you left them. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I still believe in women's rights. I still believe in feminism. Not really feminazis, but feminism and women's rights. Uh, I believe that being healthy and in shape is a good thing, not a bad thing, a good thing. I believe in protecting children and, and, and fighting child sex trafficking is a, a good thing that we should be all on, be on the side of that. So, but the left used to be, agree with me. They don't agree with me anymore. I didn't leave them. They left me. And the inability, I have friends who are still on the left, still will vote Democrat, will never vote for a Trump or a DeSantis or a Ramaswamy or anybody, and will vote for Biden gladly or Newsom gladly or Buttigieg gladly or Kamala Harris gladly over those people. They seem to have not been able to adjust. And once again, the reasoning is they are, they have a cult mentality where their cult matters the cult of a party democrat or republican the cult of a letter or a person usurps any kind of facts or evidence or any kind of input that you get any kind of changes in society and that's a very scary thing where people can't say look things are changing i have to now change right i'm looking at i have eyes and ears and I don't like what's going on anymore. I don't like what's going on anymore. I don't like the way my party is being run anymore. I don't like the way my political ideology is being hijacked by people, by extremists. So therefore, I must adjust. I must adjust. And my God, I might have to vote for someone with an R next to their name one or two election cycles, God forbid. God forbid. Even to send a message even if I want my party to survive and, and thrive, I might have to send them a message or two to say, no, no, going in the wrong direction, go back in that direction. Why can't people do that? Because they're in a cult. It's a cult mentality of its party over principle. 
It's always party over principle. My party is always right. My party is always better than the other party, even if it's a little bit. I have to justify that. You know, lesser of two evils kind of nonsense. And it's getting to the point now where I I have trouble dealing with these people who can't adjust. And some of them are very good friends of mine, but they just can't seem to adjust. And I don't want to hear their garbage anymore. I mean, if they, you can't admit that this stuff is wrong, if you can't admit these basically moral things, like it's wrong for men to dominate women, and not just is it wrong, it's dangerous. We just saw a situation and Riley Gaines brought this up of a volleyball player, a women's volleyball player who had to play with a man against a man. And the man spiked the ball, hit her in the fucking head, gave her a concussion. She's still like partially paralyzed like five months later. Now, in volleyball, as as uh, Riley Gaines told us, men's nets are higher by about seven inches than women's nets. Right there, you're admitting that the reason why the men's nets are higher is because they're bigger and taller and stronger than women. You're admitting there's a difference right there in putting a net seven inches higher between men's sports and women's sports. Yet you're allowing a biological male, a male, to play in the women's competition with that net lowered seven and a half inches. And what happens? This woman gets hit in the head and her career is over. A kid. Whose, whose volleyball career is over now. So not as only wrong, ethically wrong, common sense wrong for men to compete in women's sports. It's dangerous for women. And the Democrats don't care about that. They don't care. They don't care that women are getting hurt. And believe me, it's only a matter of time until a woman is raped in a locker room by a man pretending to be a woman, you know it's going to happen. It may have happened already, and we haven't heard about it. Maybe women are just not even want to coming out and say this has happened. But you know it's going to happen eventually. It's going to be public. Someone's going to come out eventually. So it's we're living in such a fucked up world where the liberals, the Democrats, cannot admit that their party has gone off the deep end, that they have gone off the deep end. And the only thing – this is the one – this is probably the biggest reason why I want Trump out of the equation, because Democrats, the left, can always blame everything on him in the way of, well, but he's worse than anything that could ever happen. Yeah, Trump is worse than, than women's rights getting invaded. Trump is worse than women getting – I can deal with women getting hurt and raped because Trump is worse. This is how they, these nut jobs with Trump derangement syndrome actually do say this. I've heard them say this. This is where they justify staying with the Democratic Party. So the quicker Donald Trump is out of the equation, the better I know what you're thinking, Mike. They'll say the same thing about DeSantis. They'll say the same thing about uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, anyone with an R next to their name. Yes, you're right. They always have and they always will. Oh, oh Gore's better than Bush. Kerry's better than Bush, blah, 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 blah. Okay. But not to the extent that they do it with Donald Trump and not to the extent where they get away with doing it against Donald Trump because you bring up that name and it shuts everyone up, right? So once he's out of the game, hopefully sooner rather than later, the better it will be because they won't be able to use the but Trump excuse anymore. That but Trump excuse will go out the window with Donald Trump, which is why I believe psychologically a lot of people on the left don't want him to leave. They like having that boogeyman to blame. 
for everything and to say, well, yeah, Mike, you're right about the wokeness. You're right about the men and women's sports. I don't really feel great about that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Child sex trafficking is probably a pretty big deal. But Trump, but Trump, but Trump, but Trump. And I'm, start, I'm tired of hearing that. I'm tired of hearing that lame ass excuse. So the sooner he's gone, the better it will be for everybody. Although not for the left and their excuses on everything. Um, even with Ukraine, right? Even it even extends to Ukraine. I know that's been a mixed bag with the parties, but now with the munitions, you know, with the cluster bombs, right? Where they want to give Biden's going to give Ukraine these pl- cluster bombs that 120 nations have outlawed. 120, not just a few, 120. But of course, us, Ukraine, and Russia, three that haven't. So we're on the same level as Russia and Ukraine, by the way, with that. So we haven't made them illegal. And so we're going to give them to the Ukraine to use. These cluster bombs are known to kill children. They, they, they kill children. All right. So I'm wondering who's going to be outraged about this? Well, you'll hear Democrats defending it for two reasons. One, a lot of Democrats are neocons. There are plenty of neocons in the Democratic Party. Most of them are. So that makes it easy for them to be for this because they're not anti-war. It's bullshit. The Democrat Party hasn't been anti-war in ages. And, of course, the other side is it's Biden. It's their guy who's sending it. Believe me, if Trump was sending these munitions, every Democrat would be against it. Every Democrat would be saying Trump is sending illegal munitions to Ukraine that will kill children. But because it's Biden, once again, they let him get away with it. But then there are Republicans who are supposed to be the neocons who are against this, like Matt Gates, right, who's coming out and saying, no, we shouldn't be sending these. These are illegal. These kill children. Like I said, it's so topsy-turvy. It's incredible. I do want to give credit to the guy who ran again. Why is his name slipping my mind? Tim Kaine. The one who ran with Hillary Clinton, he did come out and say this was wrong. That this sets a bad. I want to make it clear. I did hear him. He's a Democrat, and he did come out and say it was wrong. I was very glad to hear that, saying that if we use an excuse to give these to Ukraine, other countries will can then say, okay, the United States has no moral high ground. We'll use an excuse to send other kinds of illegal weapons and use other kinds. And he's right. It begins that slippery slope. So. Tim Kaine, good for you. I disagree with him on almost everything, but this is right. However, there are still a lot of Democrats, the majority, I believe, who are supporting Biden and sending these things, where a lot of Republicans are against sending these munitions to Ukraine, including Trump, I'm sure. Give him credit for that also. And we'll talk more about that. Uh, I want to talk more about Trump and Ukraine and all these people on Fox News who love Donald Trump, but also love the Ukraine war and never, ever talk about how the guy they love is totally against money, sending money, them sending them cluster bombs. They never mention that. They never mention that their hero totally disagrees with them and would end this. That they never say. It's like, you know, what we see with the legacy media these days, whether it's CNN, MSNBC, and even sometimes Fox, they just omit things they don't want to talk about. They omit things that don't don't push their their narrative. So we'll talk about that also. You know, you missed a great talk, Daniel. You would have enjoyed that tonight. Yeah, I probably would have. But, you know, um, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, a bystander on, on the uh on the transgender issue, except for the um, 
the uh, spaces in which uh, women are, are getting hurt. Um, I, I'm, I'm someone that, that, that thinks that Title IX is, 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 a, is a bad idea. Um, men and women should, they should, compete, they should compete, against, compete against each other. Um, it's simply carving out a special right for them. That being said, um, there is going to very soon be a case of a so-called transgender man getting into the ring, um, boxing, martial arts, um, and literally murdering a woman. No, no, I'm going to let me stop you here for a second. Yes, that's true. But that's why men shouldn't compete in women's sports. Now, here's a caveat. That's, that's, that's why women shouldn't compete in men's sports. Well, I, both. I, I they should, they should compete against their own, their own sex. That's all. No, that's here. I, I this is what I'm talking think, about. Daniel. Yeah, but, but my, if there, but my, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. If there is like a woman out there who wants to do a special thing, like remember with the rigs and rigby and all that nonsense, you know? Yeah, sure. Okay, if a woman says, "Let's do a special event where I I go up against a man," fine. But most women will not want to do that because men are going to dominate them. She talked about that, Riley Gaines. The best women's tennis players will not have a shot a shot in hell. They they admit it themselves against the top men's tennis play. And that's tennis. That's a non-combat sport, right? So, you know, to say, oh, yeah, women should box men is ridiculous. Women will end up brain dead. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that men and women should have to compete in the same space. That doesn't mean that women have to box men. That means that women, if they had any sense, wouldn't box men. But it's the same thing. We're like... No, no, it's not. In one case, Title IX carves out special um, spaces for a certain for for a gender, and that shouldn't happen. We don't do that in any part of the rest of our society. That simply should not happen. We don't we don't say, for example, uh, men under uh, five foot six um, have to have their own basketball leagues at at at, um, any um, state sponsored uh, university. We don't do that. We just say no. Uh, it, yeah, it, but I think a lot one, of it. Yeah, but once again, we, we have to look at common sense and every part of society isn't sports, isn't the sports world, isn't the sports, isn't, isn't the boxing ring, isn't the golf course, isn't the swimming pool. And when it comes to sports, biology and strength and build matters. So when you're talking in general, most men are built, di- men are built differently than women. Of course they are. Biologically, they're built differently, which would give them an advantage in many exactly. ways in most sports. And they also, the they advantage. can physically harm women in no. most sports. Women, women, women should abstain from being in sports in which they can get physically harmed unless they have sufficient strength to not get, to not get harmed. This should be no different than competing in the workplace or anything, anything else. Um, that being said, like I said, um, there, there are women that are going to get hurt because they will not have the sense to stand up and say, hey, we're not, we're not allowing this, this um, so-called trans man into our space. Instead, no, no, but say, I, I, I think you're right. Going to, instead, wait, let me finish. Instead, what they're going to do is they're going to fear being canceled. These trans men will get into their spaces and they're going to kill somebody. Well, Riley Gaines talks about that, how at first she was against the boycotting these sports events and now she's changed her mind on that and there are she said she's she's gotten emails from girls and by the way girls are the ones who are being harmed the most girls sports she has gotten emails from girls in in whatever maybe junior high school high school college who have said they are boycotting their events that they're not going to compete in them if there's a a fake woman 
competing that's, in those events. So that's that's great. That is what they should do because if they don't do that, they're going to put themselves in extreme danger. They should be doing that regardless of the trans issue. If they ever get into somebody in a ring with somebody that is so powerful that they right. can literally kill them, whether they are male or female, they shouldn't get into the ring with them. Well, also, I mean, look, there was like I said, there are combat sports where there's more danger in 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 individual sports like swimming. There's no real danger, physical danger to the women. But the danger is, is that they yep. will be dominated by men, that a, a person who is. That's not a danger. Right. That's not a danger. That's just life. Oh, that's not. But the, Daniel, if you if you listen to Riley Gaines, a lot of fucking effort is put into getting to that point. I mean, since of course she was it four is. Year, right. No, no. But since she's four years old, she's training and training and six hours a day and six hours yep. a day for 15 years of her life. To yeah. get to the point where she can be the best. And Leah Thomas comes in, and yeah. as she said in her own worlds, barely yeah. has to try when yeah. it comes to competing against women. Yeah. Leah Thomas had to try when it was competing against men, and it came in 450. But yeah. against women, Leah Thomas knew she didn't have to put in, he didn't have to put in half the effort, and he could beat someone like Riley Gaines, who worked her ass off for two decades to get to that point. Now, Working, Daniel, working my your question ass is, off. Wait a minute. My question is, what kind of a human being then takes the trophy and smiles as though they really fucking accomplished something? This is like a father allowing their son to win. And most sons, once they get to like 14, don't fucking want them to do that anymore. They want to win on their own accord. What if it happened to winning on your own accord? Who takes a trophy when you've defeated a woman who's a foot shorter than you? Yeah. Yeah. We know who does that. Leah Thomas. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some somebody has got some severe problems. Leah Thomas should be competing with men. Everyone should be competing with each other. And, and, and if you can't cut it, you can't cut it. There should be no special cutouts for, for people that, that happen to be women. That's just, just ridiculous. But the most annoying part of the whole thing is knowing that many of these people who publicly make it look like they're on the sides of the Leah Thomases, tell Riley Gaines privately, we be- we know you're right. Yeah, yeah, yep, <laughs> 100%. They're, they're afraid of getting canceled. This, this, is, this, is, this is part of why I have a real hard time with people getting so into these issues, um, because these issues really aren't about what they seem to be at face value. These issues, the, the trans, so-called transgender stuff, and I even hate, I hate even using that language. Because I know. Nobody's I know. transgender. It's just not a thing. Um, it, but but these, these, these narratives, um, they're, they're not about this issue. They're not about what you and I are really talking about here. These, these things that they do, whether it's, whether it's um, masks, whether it's uh, which be, or, or this transgender issue or Ukraine, these, these are foci. In, in this social media behavioral space. And once they establish these foci, the, and these narratives around these foci, they can move out into other behaviors and control other behaviors once they can control that. And they do that by establishing these foci around which people must accumulate, must, must coalesce. And if they don't, they are seen as outcast that is canceled they they are persecuted and they and and harm comes to them. That is, they are canceled if they don't. So they establish these foci and then they move out into the rest of behaviors slowly. That is what this is all about. This is about control. This is about mercenary media establishing these foci of control. So they established it with masks. 
and they and, and they made everyone appear to be as though there's some evil people, people that don't care about anybody but themselves if they don't put on a mask, even though the damn thing doesn't work. It does absolutely nothing. And then what did they do from there? Well, lockdowns materialized because of the fear. They moved out into other behaviors. Vaccines, forcing people to get vaccinations. They moved out into other behaviors. These are what these issues are about. This is about a mercenary media using social media, especially, and modern communication systems to control behavior. So I really hate getting tied down and bogged down in all the details about these discussions. This is exactly what this control mechanism wants you to do, is to solidify these foci so that once solidified, they can use those foci to control surrounding behaviors. That's what, that's what it's about. Well, look, and, and language, we talk about language, right? Like I said, this bonus hole thing is a real new thing. They don't want you saying vagina anymore. It's a, it's a bonus. Some people have bonus holes and some don't. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. That's um, the, the fact that, that anyone, anyone could entertain using language like that is just. It, it, it speaks to the absurdity of what I'm in the control system that I'm just that I'm just was just talking about. You establish this idea that somehow somebody is born in a wrong body or that they can change their gender. And you establish that little nidus and you grow it in this Petri dish uh, uh, of the Internet where it doesn't have to re react with reality and, and get immediately have immediate consequences, correct that those sort of crazy ideas. And then it bursts out into the real world. And when it does that, they establish this foci. And now what are they doing? They are taking they're going out and expanding this behavior. They're now getting people, as you said, to call a vagina a bonus hole. Can you believe thinking it? Can you imagine this? Think back five well, years ago that women were going to be referring to their vaginas as bonus holes so that they don't discriminate against men pretending to be women. Exactly. Can you imagine that you could ever have anybody could ever have possibly entertained using that behavior or using language like that? No, you couldn't. But that's what this is about. It's about control. And it's about expanding that circle of control about these foci that they established. Those foci right. are established to cancel people, to well, show people what they can do to them if they do not toe the line. Right. And it's getting worse because as Riley Gaines also talked about, she gets emails from kids in schools. I mean, these schools, these universities are now putting in rules that if you misgender someone, you can be punished for it. Yeah. You yeah. could be punished for misgendering. They were actually, they've actually told some kids competing against people like Leah Thomas that if they don't respect them, if they don't respect, if they come out and publicly denounce that, and let's say the person who's already on the edge, because if they're trans, they're probably on the edge their whole lives, end up taking their own life, you can be charged with manslaughter. You can be charged with their death. Yeah, just you can think be about caused their death. This yeah, is how insane of, this has gotten. Yeah, just think about what we're talking about at, at, at this point. I mean, we're talking about misgendering somebody by calling them their actual gender. <laughs> I mean, that is how this is how this is how crazy these, the, the, this, this behavior is going to get once these foci are established. Well, who who wrote about controlling language? There was an author who wrote about the government controlling language. Who was that Recent, guy's name? Recently? Orwell. Yeah. 
Oh, oh, you're talking about oh, well, yeah, of yeah, course. about the government controlling our language, saying you yeah. must talk like this or you'll be punished. You yeah. must use these terms or you'll be punished. Exactly. And they're doing it in the schools because that's where they can get into the brains of young kids and make them talk like this forever. Exactly. That's where you've established these focal points, and they're very easy to establish in impressionable minds. They don't have enough of experience with the real world in which they have to integrate all together in some consistent manner. When they see these glaring inconsistencies, when these glaring inconsistencies appear to adults, we say, oh, this is bullshit. But a kid wouldn't because a kid just doesn't have the, uh, the experience that an adult has. So, yeah, of course, it's impressionable minds. And, yeah, um, but this, we, I think we really start ha- have to start not nitpicking and at these, these issues and, and arguing about the, these ridiculous issues because that's exactly what they want us to do. They want us to establish legitimacy to these ideas. No, but you would you really have to fight? And look, as Riley Gaines says, because of the fighting she's done and others have done, 22, almost half the states now have put in laws protecting women's sports. Of course, California isn't one of them. But this is important because then you get laws passed which will prevent these people from doing these things they want to do. So that's important. You can't just say ignore it because there are no, these no, kids. No, no, no. I'm not saying ignore it. There are these there, kids there, in schools there, there who have to deal with this stuff. There, there are yeah. people in sports who have to deal with this stuff. There are women yeah. who are going through this on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm not saying to ignore it, Mike. There is a, a, there, there is going to be points at which these um, this attempt to control behavior is going to cross lines that's going to cause really serious harm. For example, sexual mutilation of children. That is already causing tremendous harm. And yeah, we have to focus very clearly there, and we've asked to bat the hell out of people that try to do this sort of shit. But the bigger picture is really about control. And so, so I'm not, I'm not arguing that we, that we, we don't have to get into uh, um, fights about the specifics. What I'm saying is that it's really important for us to uh, maintain a. Um, I should say, it's a perspective on what is going on here. That is that this is about. This is primarily about control. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to hurt, be hurt as collateral mm-hmm. damage as these control mechanisms are put in place and and people are manipulated through them. Yeah, a lot of people are going to get hurt. We got to be really. We that's why we well, have to fight these control mechanisms. And Riley Gaines brings up another issue. We talk about, and we've talked about this on the show. We've we've put the onus on women to stand up, and you said that tonight. But she said women are doing that. But she needs to start seeing strong men supporting women, not weak men. And she makes this great point: how we're now living in a world of very weak, a country of very weak men. Right. Where we talk about toxic masculinity and men actually come out and say, oh, testosterone's a horrible thing. You know, these beta males. She said we need more strong alpha men to come out and support women like her and support women in sports and support women's rights. And she's right. Where we are need strong those? people. But yeah, all the strong, strong men are cowering because we of the need woke strong mob. people. We need strong people in general. We have we are living. I mean, COVID is the. There can be no better evidence than the COVID experience that we are living amongst the weakest generation in the history of mankind. Yeah, but also it's, it's men, it's women. Yeah, it's everybody. But, yeah, but in the past, she's right. When we've had, when we've seen periods of really strong men, strong male leadership, society's done better. Weak men, weak male leadership has led to weak societies. So it does start there. 
And well, we have to stop men, this toxic maculately crap. Yeah, strong men and strong men. Everyone has to be. Everyone has to use the strengths that they have to maintain the best functioning possible and most robust society possible. Um, yeah, you know, so I'm not. I'm not going to put this on men or women. Every, everybody is, has been at fault over the last three years for for letting our society um, just become this narcissistic massive whiny babies that um don't even want to go to work right now they think that that's, something. <laughs> that's true i mean it is it is well, ridiculous the, the the behavioral changes that we've seen over the last three years and <laughs> we're being manipulated to do this 100 percent. we are being manipulated to do this well we saw the manipulation during covid we're seeing the manipulation around the gender issue we're seeing the manipulation around ukraine we have a mercenary media. The fourth estate is no more, cannot be considered legitimate media as, as, as envisioned by the founding fathers. That is now the fifth estate. That is now places like Twitter, the only place you can really get, um, really get dependable news is in spaces like Twitter at this, at this moment. This is, this is, yeah, we, we are, this this is the like the legacy media. It's dead as 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 a source of media. Um, put put you know bury it because it, it's stinking. It's stinking up the entire country at this point. It is. You're right. Absolutely, Daniel. Thanks for the call. Yep. I, Have a great I night. appreciate it. Yes. And I want uh, everyone to, at the beginning of the show, but tomorrow there'll be a special time for the show. The show will air at. 8 p.m. Pacific tomorrow, three hours earlier, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern, as I'm going to have a special guest on, Ian Miller. Ian Miller, who wrote the the great book, by the way, Unmasked. Uh, I'm going to have him come on tomorrow to talk about his new book, Illusion of Control. So we're going to talk to Ian Miller, um, who actually I haven't spoken to him. I had him on my previous podcast before I started doing stuff on, on call-in. So it'll be his call-in debut. So tomorrow, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Ian Miller <clears throat> and his book, Illusion of Control. And we'll talk about a lot of stuff. I mean, Ian and I started following each other like, you know, almost three years ago during the COVID stuff where he was posting. I saw this guy and he was posting these graphs about masks. And he would show graphs comparing places with mask mandates, places places with no mask mandates. He would He would show graphs of of uh places where the mask mandate ended places where mask mandates were still going countries where they had differences in mask mandates and of course all of his graphs all of the information led to the fact that masks did nothing to stop the spread of COVID. in fact in many places where they had mask mandates the numbers were higher so then he put it all into a book compiled it compiled hundreds of these graphs and charts into a book called Unmasked, which you should buy. It's great. And his new one is Illusion of Control. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. We're going to talk about RFK. We'll talk about Fauci. Um, so special time tomorrow, three hours earlier. So come on, because he's agreed to take calls as well. So Ian Miller, you can follow him at, at Ian Miller on uh, on Twitter. A lot of good stuff. He's always He's always posting facts and evidence to refute the garbage, whether it comes to, you know, vaccines or masks. And he's, he's been on it since day one. Okay. Um, that leads me into RFK. 
RFK Jr., we talk about this on the show a lot, right? Would RFK Jr. or let's say Ron DeSantis uh, prosecute people like Tony Fauci? What he do what needs to be necessary, what needs to be done, which is bring these people to ultimate justice, right? Which is put them behind bars. If through a court of law, they were found guilty of what many of us believe they have committed many crimes. And he said he would. He said it. He said he would absolutely prosecute Fauci if crimes were committed. He definitely caused a lot of injury. Of course, Fauci said Kennedy's rise in the polls could lead to people unnecessarily dying if they're influenced by his vaccine positions. Of course, what Fauci's really afraid of is that he's actually going to be brought to justice by someone like Bobby Kennedy Jr., where, of course, we know that Joe Biden would never do it. And Donald Trump, of course, would never do it either. But I would love to get the answer from Ron DeSantis. Maybe someone will will ask. Um, would you say, Daniel, E.M. Miller is a fine example of a functioning fifth estate? Yes, it's true. It's true. Um, so Kennedy said on Monday that he would prosecute Fauci for his actions during the coronavirus pandemic if he's elected president and his attorney general determined that crimes were committed. The Democratic challenger to Biden made the comment on Jesse Waters' primetime. Now, of course, that's the law. We live in the United States, so there has to be a prosecution. There has to be an indictment. There's no doubt about it. As much as I'd like to just throw Fauci in jail, don't pass, go, don't collect $200, that's not the country we live in. So the Democratic challenger to Biden made the comment on Jesse Waters' primetime during a wide-ranging interview where he was pressed on his conspiratorial views on vaccines, his past claims that the CIA was involved in the assassination of his uncle, and the nature of his 2024 challenge. Referencing Kennedy's book, which, by the way, they were selling at the Riley Gaines event, the real Tony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health, Jesse Waters asked him whether he believes Fauci is the devil and whether he stands by his earlier pledge to prosecute the former NIAID director as president or if the National Institute of Health played a role in the Wuhan lab leak. If the crimes were committed, of course, I would tell the attorney general to prosecute him, not hold off. Kennedy has publicly sparred with Fauci over his handling of the pandemic, frequently challenging uh, the former White House advisor's positions on public health policies and vaccines. Kennedy did not explicitly say whether he believes Fauci is guilty of committing a crime, but he accused him of causing a lot of injury by not making treatments more accessible to Americans during the early stages of the outbreak, I think that he particularly, by withholding early treatment from Americans, we racked up the highest death count in the world. Kenny said, now, this is interesting. When you talk about actual crimes, people always say, okay, Fauci's no good. He's, he's a big farmer shill. But what crimes? Now, what could you put him in jail for? Well, right there, if you have evidence, which I believe we already do with many emails and the Twitter files, um, that he withheld treatments that could help people. Okay, because he wanted to push the vaccine. And so people died because of the profits he wanted to make. That is a criminal act. Okay, that's a criminal act. I don't know if you call it manslaughter. I call it murder. I don't know. You have to ask an an attorney general. But to me, there is a crime right there. Also, if he covered up the origins of it and we have proof of that, I believe that he was fucking around in Wuhan, didn't want to be a part of the, the, the leak, didn't want to him have himself pinned on the outbreak of, uh, of COVID. And so he 
used his power to cover up any possible articles or doctors being made public who said, yes, it was a, a leak from the Wuhan lab. He wanted to push the leak from a monkey in a wet market. Okay, So right there, if you can prove he covered up the origins of the COVID virus to protect his own image, there you have more crimes. So I believe there's a lot that can be looked into by an attorney general. We only have 4.2% of the globe's population, said RFK. But we had 16% of the COVID deaths in this country, and that was from bad policy. There are countries that did the opposite of what we did, that provided ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, or other early treatments to the populations and had about one two hundredth of our debt rate. There are many, many things we did wrong in our country. And some of those, I would say, some of those things that were done by health officials that they knew were harmful. RFK Jr.'s comments came some days after Fauci proclaimed that Kennedy's growing popularity could lead people to unnecessarily dying if they're influenced by his unchecked vaccine theories. Boogeyman, 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 while describing his rise in recent polls as concerning. Yeah, doesn't want his old shriveled up ass behind bars. Asked by Waters why he touts the unfounded theory of childhood vaccinations being linked to autism, Kennedy says he feels the public misunderstands his general opinions on the subject. I do believe that autism does come from vaccines. But I think most of the things people believe about my opinions about vaccines are wrong. You know, all I've said about vaccines is we should have good science. We should have the same kind of testing, placebo-controlled trials, that we have for every other kind of medication. Vaccines are exempt from pre-licensing placebo-controlled trials. So there's no way that anybody can tell the risk of all these products or even the relative benefits of all those products before they are mandated. And we should have that kind of testing. The candidate who's a sky on of arguably the nation's most famous political dynasty trails far behind Biden, blah, 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 blah. Okay, yet he's almost at 20% in some polls. He's at 20% in some polls with very little money um, fighting an incumbent president in his own party, not getting any coverage really outside of Fox and some podcasts like Joe Rogan, uh, not getting any debates, not getting any backing from the DNC, nothing. So... To say he's far behind in polls is ridiculous. There's no way he couldn't be. But to be at, you know, two out of every 10 voters at this point is just a, it's amazing. Remember, the, the bar, watch the Republican debates. The bar for being in the Republican debates would be much lower than 20%. 20% is usually high enough to be in any debate all the way to the end. So he should be in debates. There should be debates. But this is great. This is good. This is basically a definitive answer. RFK Jr., if he's elected, would have his attorney general look into all this stuff we've talked about. And if he deems that Fauci can be uh, convicted of crimes, he would indict him. That's that's great. That's fantastic. Uh, I want to know what uh, DeSantis would do. My assumption is he would do the exact same thing because he's talked about this before and he – despises Fauci and what he did as much as RFK Jr. does. He's used much stronger language. Remember, chuck him across the Potomac. So my guess is if he says he wants to chuck Fauci across the Potomac, that he would do the same and have him have his, uh, uh, I'll, I'll call them crimes. I believe they're crime, alleged crimes looked into. Um, but I would love a definitive answer. If he's as definitive about RFK Jr. on this, that would be a great, a great thing. 
Um, Rand Paul, this is an important story. He, he moved to protect Americans' First Amendment rights from Biden's collusion with big tech. He's introducing a bill um, to protect Americans from the Biden administration violating their First Amendment rights. The Fox News Digital has learned that Paul's expected to propose the Free Speech Protection Act, which would impose harsh penalties on federal employees and contractors who leverage their positions to attack free speech under the First Amendment. The bill would empower American citizens to sue the government and executive branch officials who violate the First Amendment of the Constitution, according to Paul's office. Under my Free Speech Protection Act, the government will no longer be able to cloak itself in secrecy to undermine the First Amendment rights of Americans. Paul's office of the Free Speech Protection Act would mandate the frequent publication of and public access to reports on communications between an executive branch agency and a content provider. It bars agencies from using the Freedom of Information Act exemptions to stop the disclosure of illegal communications. His bill also makes sure federal grant money doesn't go to entities that seek to label media outlets as sources of disinformation or misinformation and ends several authorities and programs that the senator's office says threaten Americans' constitutional rights. The Kentucky senator planned to introduce the bill, I believe, earlier today. Paul touched on crafting the bill in interview with Fox News' Jesse Waters. Um, so the bill comes after a U.S. district judge uh, is temporarily preventing the White House officials from meeting with tech companies about social media censorship, arguing that such actions in the past were likely, likely First Amendment violations. So this is good. Once again, this is this crazy, topsy-turvy political world, I say. There was a time, really not too long ago, I'm old enough to remember a time, when liberals, when Democrats would be pro-First Amendment and would be totally against big government colluding with big tech or corporations, big corporations, corporate America, right? Totally against it, 100% on, on Paul's side. They'd all be getting on board with this kind of a law. And of course, now they, they don't. Now they believe in censorship. They believe in collusion between big government and big tech. And they believe in collusion with big government and big corporations to stomp on the First Amendment. So this is another uh, thing that has – where the Democratic Party has abandoned me. Well, I have not abandoned the Democrat Party. I mean it's one issue after another. It's one issue after another. But once again, like with all the other issues I spoke about, whether it's women's rights or or personal health or child sex trafficking or whatever it may be, all they will say when you bring this stuff up is, but Trump, right? Trump is worse than all of this. We have doesn't matter. We have to prevent Trump. That's the most important thing, more important than any of this. But the fact that they also will blame Trump, you know, they'll say, oh, this is this is Trumpism, right? <laughs> just all this Twitter stuff is just bullshit contrived by Republicans who are Trumpers, who are MAGA, right? This oh, this protecting women thing is all just discrimination against trans people, very Trumpian, right? They twist everything to do with Donald Trump and Trumpism, and that's what I talk about when I talk about this crazy Trump derangement syndrome, where they can use him as a scapegoat for everything. And never taking responsibility and never admitting that their party has gone totally off the cliff, off the deep end. In other words, they're allowed to do that because of Trump. It's all, oh, just a reaction to Trumpism. 
And once this guy's out of the way, they'll have to come up with another excuse. They'll have to come up with another excuse. But this has been the excuse for the last eight years now, since he came down that escalator in 2015. Hard to believe it's been eight years, um, but they, it has been eight years. But this is the excuse they use for everything. Every single thing. I have these conversations with people and I can start talking about an issue like women's rights or Ukraine or First Amendment or any of this stuff. And they always they always have to talk about Trump. They can't not talk about Trump. Trump comes into every conversation, even things that have absolutely nothing, nothing to do with him. Look, Trump is not a serious person. He doesn't want to be president anymore. He doesn't want to be president for another four years. What he wants to do is run for president so we can get campaign contributions to pay off his legal debts to try to keep his fat ass out of jail. That's why he's in this. That's why he's in this. And if he can win the primary, he can raise more money to help keep his ass stay out of jail. So once he's out, whether it's by quitting or by losing a primary, that gravy train ends and he has to dig into his own money. Now, whether he's broke or just cheap, I don't know. I don't know his personal finances. I suppose being sued all the time and having to hire all these lawyers is not cheap, but it's a fact. He shouldn't be able to use this campaign money for his defense, but he can. He can use it for his lawyers, and that's what he's doing. That's why he's in this. And he knows. He knows people. He knows that if he wins the primary, he's losing to whatever Democrat runs, be it Biden, be it Kamala, be it Buttigieg, be it Newsom. He's going to lose. That doesn't matter to him. He can raise money until November of 2024. That's all he cares about. He wants to raise money for the longest time possible. We'll all be fucked. We'll all be stuck with President Biden or President Newsom. He's not going to care. He just wants to make sure his ass is kept out of jail. And the more money he can raise, the more money he has to defend himself. So he's not a serious person. He's not. He didn't want to be president the first time. He certainly doesn't want to be president the second time. He doesn't want to be president. No, he doesn't. Not after what he went through for four years and after he's going to be 80 years old, he doesn't want to be president. But his cult is so strong and he knows that, that he can continue to raise money and uh, hopefully take it all the way till November of 2024. Uh, and he's fooling a lot of people. People are giving him money, not as much money as Ron DeSantis. We know DeSantis raised about a hundred million, uh, including his super PAC uh, than Trump did. So more money is going to Ron DeSantis, but, and you'll see more and more endorsements going to Ron DeSantis, but Trump has his cult, which is keeping him alive in the contributions and in the campaign. Okay. And like I said, he knows he'll lose in a general election. He knows, everyone knows that he has no mathematical path to 270. Doesn't matter. He can raise money. And if he makes it to the general, he'll raise even more money. And he'll ride that gravy train all the way till November of 2024. And then he'll lose again, again. And uh, the rest of us will be fucked. So it's the hope that these Republicans wake up sooner or later. You know, we have a couple of hopes. One is that his cult is only maybe 20, 25 percent of the game and everyone else will go to DeSantis or that some people in that cult will wake up. I mean, there have been. It's proven there are former Trump supporters who now support DeSantis. How 
deeply enveloped in the cult they were, I don't know. Whether the casual Trump fan, maybe, I don't know how deep they were ingrained in the cult, if they were deprogrammed or not, I don't know. But we know there are plenty of people out there who are Trump supporters and no longer are. Now they have an alternative. And the hope is that with the campaigning and the debates and with hopefully Ron DeSantis winning, let's say, the first contest, Iowa, that there'll be that point where a lot of these cult members wake up and they go, oh, my God, we have another choice. We didn't have another choice before. Now we do. And they will go to Ron DeSantis because there's zero doubt, zero doubt that you can play this podcast from July 11th, 2023 back uh, in November of 2024. If Trump's the nominee, it's President Biden or President Newsom. There's no doubt about it. So, you know, hopefully we don't ever get to that point. It's more and more talk. I see Gators here. So Biden was in uh, Great Britain and he was unsteady on his feet. He was doing weird things like talking to the those guards. You're not supposed to talk to them. And and the, the king was like trying to get him away and like losing patience with him. And then he was trying to hold on to the king. Charles. He was he was like using him for balance. And the guy's like, oh, God, get off me. So I, I wonder how this was uh, covered. I don't know how this was covered in the U.K., was it like, you know, uh, you know, the demented Biden can't stand on his own two feet. He's doing weird things. He's trying to talk to these guards. I don't know. But once again, we saw him on stage today with other world leaders, and he didn't seem to know where he was. He had that typical the Alzheimer's look, right? That 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 glassy, frightened, where the hell am I Alzheimer's look that we know a lot of Alzheimer's patients have when they wander off and they don't know where they are. They could be a block away from their home and they don't know where they are. So we see that happening with Biden more and more now. Look, to think that we can deal with another five years of this is ridiculous. This man is not going to last, not going to last for five years. To think this guy can be president for five more years, to think he can be president for five more months is stretching it. But for five more years is, it's laughable. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's beyond absurd. The concept is even beyond absurd. So what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Is something going to actually happen and Newsom's going to swoop in? Or is something going to be forced? You know, is something going to be forced? Like when I say is something actually going to happen, is there going to be a a stroke? Is there going to be a physical thing that's going to happen where that takes Biden out of the running right away or is something going to be forced by democrats behind the scenes i don't know but it's it's obvious that their hope is this trump wins the primary it doesn't matter then if biden's a nominee he'll beat him anyway and then it doesn't matter they got the white house for four more years and they can control this guy for as long as he's able to do the job and if not then they'll control kamala harris you know, it's not like people say, oh, Democrats don't want Kamala. Well, they don't want her any more than they don't want Biden. They can control Biden totally, and they'll be able to control Kamala totally. So it doesn't matter that it says President Joe Biden or President Kamala Harris. The DNC, the powers that be, will be able to control either of them as a puppet. So that's what they're hoping for. That's what they're hoping for. And I hear people out there saying that – 
Biden's a stronger candidate than Gavin Newsom. I don't know how you can think that Biden is a stronger candidate than Gavin Newsom, especially. Look, I think Newsom's a stronger candidate than Biden, even going up against DeSantis. I think Newsom would give DeSantis a tougher time than Biden would. I think DeSantis would beat him. But I do not believe (laughs) at any point that Biden is a better candidate than Gavin Newsom. And so to think that Biden is a better candidate against Trump or than Newsom is, is silly. If just for optics purposes, Newsom's the better candidate to go up against Donald Trump than Joe Biden, then the age can't be used, right? The, all of a sudden, the age onus is then on the Republican side, not the Democrat side. Plus the youth, the vitality, the fact that as, as disgusting, as slimy as the hair Joe king of California is, he's a good political entity. He knows the political game. He knows how to fool people. So he's a slime ball. He is. But he's a really good slime ball. He's good at being the slime ball, which is very important in politics in the United States of America. So once again, even just even just an optics. And how can you say that in the year 2024 optics doesn't matter when you have a bloated 80 year old Trump on stage uh, with against uh, uh, new Gavin Newsom with his slick back hair? How can you say that that doesn't matter? Of course it matters. It matters greatly. It matters, it matters more than politics, more than issues. We know that. Come on. But there are so many Democrats that are fooled by the fact that, yes, Gavin Newsom is a horrible governor. But that doesn't mean he's a horrible presidential candidate. Yeah, he's a horrible governor. So there are Democrats who think that issues-wise – that like um, policy wise, that resume wise, he's a terrible candidate. He's worse than Biden, but he's not. It doesn't matter that California is, is terrible. It doesn't matter that California is, is a shithole. It doesn't matter that California has gone downhill drastically. As long as Newsom has been a politician here, it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters once this slime ball gets talking. And gets talking about MAGA and Trumpism. That's none of this California stuff's going to matter. It's not going to matter. Okay, so Newsom is a very, very dangerous candidate. Look, as dumb as the voters of California are, he has still dominated here in elections. Right. So it's not like it's like um, he wins by five percent or something. Right. He wins by huge margins. He won by like the kind of margin that DeSantis won. Right. In Florida. So he's a very good politician. Okay, And when it comes to election time and debates and such, he's very good at what he does. He's very good at saying the opposite of reality. Right. The opposite of what is reality. California is last in a lot of whether, you know, could be. Small business could be education, could be crime, could be homelessness. He'll make it look like it's the best in those categories by spinning words, by talking pretty. He knows how to do this. He's done it. We see him doing it on these little 
campaigns he goes into red states to promote how great California is, how much of a better governor he is than Ron DeSantis, how much better of a state California is than Florida. And he fools a lot of people. He doesn't fool you and I. Of course, the numbers show the opposite. We know it's total bullshit, but he's great at the gaslighting game. And when you're running for president and you're great at the gaslighting game, he's much better at the gaslighting game than Joe Biden. So to say that he's a, Joe Biden's a, a better candidate, it's, it's ridiculous. And I see people saying that. It's not true. It's not true. And as much as Biden would uh, edge out Trump, Newsom would destroy Trump. It wouldn't be a race. He'd destroy him. He'd win every swing state. If only on his looks and age and presentation, he'd win every swing state, every swing state. So this might be the plan also. Democrats may what they're probably going to do is watch the Republican primary very closely and see how it's going. Watch the debates, see if the polls are changing, continue to watch the fundraising, may even go into the early primary states of Iowa and New Hampshire. And if it looks like DeSantis is doing what I think he's going to do, they may pull the plug on Joe Biden and put in Gavin Newsom. I think they're playing that game. Like, who is our opponent going to be? If it's going to be Trump, we'll keep Biden. If it's going to be DeSantis, we got to get Newsom in there because Newsom, as they know, is the better candidate. That's their thinking. Watch this over the next six, seven, eight months. Watch what they do. Watch. The Democrats are going to be watching the Republican primary closer than ever before. Right now, they are believing the, the bullshit polls. I believe the polls are bullshit. And the Democrats are doing everything they can to make sure Trump wins the primary. So right now, their betting is on Trump. So they'll keep Biden. But if, that, if the odds start to go the other way, as I, I believe they will, and they see Ron DeSantis gaining... Watch them push Newsom. That's what I'm saying. This is like the Godfather when they say, you know, if Tessio comes up to you, you know, he's the, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if DeSantis gains, it's going to be Newsom. And hasn't, haven't I said that all along? Didn't I say a year and a half ago that the election could very well be DeSantis and Newsom? And people said, ah, Biden, Trump, Biden, Trump. Watch. Watch. And like I said, it'll either be a natural disaster for Biden or it'll be a uh, unnatural disaster that takes him out of the equation. He'll do what's best for the party at his age. He's a puppet anyway. So and we're seeing this puppet. He's a puppet for Zelensky. Right. He's a puppet for Zelensky. And we're seeing that now with these cluster bombs. The New York Times, who I constantly condemn and rightfully so, I want to give credit they did write, the editorial board did did condemn these cluster bombs, which I'm shocked since so many Democrats are on the side of sending Ukraine these munitions. Um, but they say that the in- invocation of the Foreign Assistance Act, Foreign Assistance Act, to unilaterally supply Ukraine with cluster bombs, which are banned by more than 100 countries, I think 120 has uh, received mixed reactions across the political spectrum. But the New York Times yesterday, their editorial board heavily criticized the flawed and troubling logic behind Biden's decision. 
The face, in the face of widespread global condemnation of cluster munitions and the danger they pose to civilians, mostly children, by the way, long after the fighting's over, this is not a weapon a nation with the power and influence the United States should be spreading. However compelling it may be to use any available weapon to protect one's homeland, nations in the rules-based international order have increasingly sought to draw a red line against using weapons of mass destruction. Uh, or, By the way, aren't these the weapons we said uh, Iraq had? Uh, that pose a severe and lingering risk to non-combatants. Cluster munitions clearly fall into that category. Notably, the, ball, the board recalls Ukraine, the United States, China, and Russia, whose president, Putin, in, legally invaded Ukraine more than 500 days ago, have yet to join the 123 nations that signed the 2008 Convention of Cluster Munitions, which outlawed most forms of the indiscriminatory dangerous explosives. Though the board acknowledges Ukraine's right to choose the, what weapons it uses, it believes that there is considerable risk underlying the U.S. enabling the deployment of cluster munitions, at least dozens of civilian deaths and serious injuries, according to Human Rights Watch report published Thursday, have occurred through use by Ukraine and Russia of these munitions. Specifically, the report said Ukrainian cluster munition rocket attacks on Russian-controlled areas around the city of Izium in 2022 caused many casualties among Ukrainian civilians. Ukrainians denied that cluster munitions were used there. Uh, the board warned that sending cluster munitions to Ukraine amounts to a clear escalation of a conflict that has already become too brutal and destructive. But the greater issue here is sharing a weapon that has been condemned by a majority of the world's nations, including most of America's close allies, as morally repugnant for the indiscriminate carnage it can cause after the combatants have gone. While Ukraine undoubtedly needs and deserves help, the board stresses, providing weapons that much of the world justifiably condemns as wrong and encouraging the use of proliferation of these weapons could weaken the support of allies who until this point have rallied behind American leadership. That's a valid point. The board concludes that whatever temporary advantage Ukraine may gain by receiving the bombs would not be decisive and will not outweigh the damage and suffering to civilians in Ukraine now and likely for generations to come. So what these cluster bombs do is they all, often they, they don't go off, right? And then long after the war is over, a little kid wandering in a field or wherever it may be picks one up and it explodes and uh, obliterates them. So that's the problem with these particular munitions is that they stay alive, almost like mines, right? Ground mines. And later on, they can be stepped on and they can cause damage. So uh, – but this is not a – it's been a long time since the United States could claim the moral high ground in any area, right? Any area, drugs, health care, war. There's no, there's no moral high ground by the United States anymore. There's not. There really isn't. This proves it because it's like who cares? 123 you know, civilized nations have outlawed these, but we don't got to because we're not the moral high ground anymore. We used to be. We used, a lot of things used to be. I don't want to sound like a, an old get-off-your-lawn guy, but San Francisco used to be a great city. California, 30 years ago, was a great fucking state to live. Everyone wanted to live here. This country used to be able to claim moral high ground in a lot of areas. Not anymore. Not anymore. We're not. We're just in the dirt, in the muck, in the mud, in the shit, along with everyone else. And this just simply proves that. This simply proves that, of course, this is wrong, morally wrong, ethically wrong. Everything is wrong with this. Everything is wrong with this war in general. This flawed logic that 
the people who afford this war on both sides of the political aisles, on Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives, the flawed logic, this constantly, this huge hole in their logic that because we have no real journalists is rarely pointed out, was that people say, well, we had to stop this because, you know, Putin would he invades Ukraine, then he invades Poland, then he invades Europe, then he invades the world. And at the same time, they're saying, oh, well, he's totally inept. You can't even take over the Ukraine. Look at his inept his army is. They're all dying. Their hearts aren't in it. So if they're all dying and their hearts aren't in it, and he's too inept to even take over a small country like Ukraine, how is he going to take over the fucking world? This, this huge hole in their logic is hardly ever pointed out by anybody. And then you watch Fox News, or I do, and, you know, there are t- t- two instances usually where I want to throw a rock at my screen, but I don't because that would just destroy my television. Fox News wouldn't care, so I don't do that. But one is where they're ass-kissing Trump. They're constantly kissing Trump's ass, okay? Every fucking – they keep on showing the same the polls. By the way, has anyone noticed that the polls this election cycle are by polling firms I've never heard about? It's like Joey Vumbat's association of 20 voters, and they'll put up these polls, right? And every poll is the same fucking poll. Trump 52, uh, DeSantis 20. It's the same. <laughs> they use, they've been using the same poll for like the last six months. But the polling firms I've never heard of that don't poll independent voters who in many states can vote, like me, like me, independent voter, for the first time in my life, I will vote in a Republican primary – not a Democrat primary. It doesn't poll people like me. It only polls currently registered Republicans. And so it's these Fakakta polls that everyone who's like legitimate and doesn't have the, the narrative where Trump has to win, where Trump's inevitable, knows are bullshit. Total bullshit polls, right? So it's that time I want to throw rocks at the screen. And then it's when they're constantly talking about how important it is for us to give Ukraine everything possible every kind of ammunition every fucking dollar we have left every weapon we have left and biden opens his mouth and tells the world we have no weapons left we can't defend ourselves like the moron he is and they promote this war right this bullshit war that we shouldn't be anywhere near and at the same time those people who love trump so much and love the war so much never talk about how in that huge issue trump totally disagrees with them so their, their golden boy, Don, John, who they love so much, totally disagrees with sending all these ammunition and all this money to Ukraine, but they never talk about that. They never mention that. Uh, Shaggy, do you want to come on? You keep on popping. You can come on. Do you want to come on? Are you there? Shaggy? Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? You. Yes. Hey, I'm just, um, I was listening, yeah, I wanted to come on earlier, but you were really busy, but, um, so what you were talking about right now with the Ukraine and Russian war, what's your idea about it? Because you were kind of mocking the appeasement route, like, oh, because appeasement, you know, it may work, it may not. So, like, what is your plan to... If I were president, I would say, look, make a peace agreement. We're not sending you any more money. We're not doing anything. We need to, in other words... Continuing to send the money and munitions just continues to keep the war machine going. That's not going to provide a peaceful end to this conflict. And what I've been saying for the last year and a half is going to come true. In the end, Ukraine's not going to win. This idea 
that Ukraine is going to defeat Russia is ridiculous. It's, 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 it's asinine. It really is. It'd be like saying that Montana would defeat California in, in a war. It's, it's, come on. It's stupid. There's no way Ukraine can defeat Russia. What they can do is come up with a, a peace agreement, some kind of a peaceful end to this where Russia gets a little bit of this. Ukraine gets a little bit of that, but there's no incentive. There's no incentive if we keep on feeding the war machine with money and ammunition. And now with these illegal ammunitions like cluster bombs and there's no uh, need for Zelensky to end it. Look how popular he is with this war. No one knew who the hell he was. Remember, he was the guy who Trump spoke. He was the guy that Trump got. A, he got Trump impeached. Remember, one of his impeachments was him talking to Zelensky. Right. No one knew who he was. No one had a clue who Zelensky was. The war has made him powerful. The war has made him a celebrity. He's on the cover of that magazine. The war has made him wealthy. He will, this is all, but he'll be a wealthy multimillionaire who will write books and probably go on to star in movies with Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible 30. Hold on, What's hold the on. incentive for him to end it? If I'm the president, I say, you know what your incentive is? More. Make a peace agreement, and that's that. That's what I'd say. You kind of have to think of it in a geopolitical sense. Like, yes, war is bad. People die. That's, that's always going to happen. You know, there's going to be bad actors everywhere who are going to constantly want war or use war to get whatever they want. Putin yeah. is a master at this, or at least he was. He did the same thing to what, Georgia, Transnistria, or whatever the fuck that place is. Um, Oh, South Ossetia. Um, he's like invaded so many small little territories. And he constantly keeps doing that to get his base up. What I personally think is what America's doing is really smart. You're not sending any troops to the ground. You're not doing an Iraq war. You're not doing anything. And Russia is their first or second geopolitical foe. And if they're just bleeding themselves out completely, now they're completely ostracized from their Western counterparts. This is the best scenario for America by far. But we're say, bleeding ourselves out. We're the not ones really, honestly. No, like, because at a certain point, we're, we're going to have to, I say we, I'm Canadian, but I'm pretty much Americanized. <laughs> but we're always going to be having problems with Russia. But Russia isn't the number one biggest problem for Western imperialists, you want to say. China's like literally on our asses and it's going to be the next superpower, allegedly, the next 50 to 100 years. But mm -hmm. regardless, the whole Russian thing, it's so much like honestly, it's the smartest play you could possibly like. Think of it now in an actual game. Don't think about people, don't think about families, don't think about anything. Like, what is the best course of action? No, but I, I have to disagree on two levels. One is we keep on getting more and more. Only going to be money. No, no ammunition. Don't you remember that? I, I'm old enough to remember eight months ago, ten months ago. It was going to be no ammunition. Then it'd be okay certain times, but not these kinds because this would be really you know it, you know kicking the hornet's nest with biden we don't want to do that right we don't want to start world war three now we're giving them not just all kinds of weapons illegal weapons that 123 other countries say we shouldn't do and the times makes the good point of how now we may lose their support okay just the way we didn't have their support for iraq we had their support for this and now we'll lose it by doing by sending weapons that they believe 
are illegal. Okay, so you don't know where this is going to go if this doesn't end. It could end with more money, more ammunition. It could be we could send our planes over there. Then people will say, well, we're only doing it from the sky. We're not, and then we'll be on the ground. So it gets worse and worse and worse. And you can't trust Joe Biden. He's a liar. He's a, he's a, he's a half. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So wait a minute. But there's that point. Also, who cares that we don't have our kids are dying? Okay, and the more we feed this war machine and not forcing a peace process, more people will die, both soldiers, women, children, civilians. Who cares? I don't care if they're Americans. Humans are humans. Russians are humans. Ukrainians are human. So we need to be forcing peace. We're not. Look, the war machine is a money machine. Zelensky is making money. Biden in the United States makes money. We have contractors there that we make money off of. This is a money-making machine. That's the problem. No one forced Russia and Putin. It doesn't matter. Yes, no one did. But it's not our business. The thing is, though, like, America warned them. All the Western powers are warning them. No one really even believed America's intelligence saying that Putin's going to invade, Putin's going to invade. Everyone thought it was just America bullshitting, and then Putin fucking did invade. There was a whole bunch of warnings. No one really wanted this war besides Putin. He literally thought he was going to be able to take it over and then wipe it out. Same thing with American intelligence. They thought Ukraine would get wiped out within a week at most. But for some reason, with fucking his kleptocracy, fucking shitty-ass government, didn't have enough resources, didn't have the best training. It's just a shit show, like complete shit show. And they showed their hand, and now they're pretty much fucking suffering. This wasn't a whole plan concocted by the FBI or any of the Western powers. This was no, Putin but we did being a dumbass, no, and he went I, out of his way to. I think like, you're being already, disingenuous. Hold on, there I, was already you already invaded. Right? We instigated Nothing him. Really... We instigated him with the expansion of NATO, and NATO should not have been expanded. It should be disbanded, if anything. So we. We Why did they join? Hornet. Why can't someone join a different alliance? Why no, 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 no. We did this knowing it could lead to something like this happening. Well, then, okay. It, it you can't, you can't play that game. In other words, if you want to say, yeah, we believe in the expansion. We knew it was going to force Putin's hand, and we did it anyway. But they're not saying that. They're saying, oh, Putin, out of nowhere, did this. Just decided on a whim. He had a dream that he wanted to go into the Ukraine. That's not the case. That's not taking bubbly for our part in that invasion. But Putin made his bed and he's going to lay in it. Like, yes, we're going to be spending a shit ton of money. Yes, a lot of Ukrainians are going to be dying. But regardless, that's what's just going to happen. That's just what's going to happen. It's going to show uh, China, too, if it ever fucked with Taiwan. It's not going to be. I don't think so, because I think what China has look the, the, the way Biden has fucked up. That, in fact, that in alone, the way Biden fucked up Afghanistan also gave Biden, also gave Putin. Hold on, this. Trump did the whole deal, and then Biden had to just accept. Putin uh, didn't do this when Trump was president, right? He did Afghanistan. He did it when on, Biden became you're president. Biden, but Biden didn't sign. Biden didn't sign anything. It was Trump that did the deal. Very shitty. And then um, Biden just accepted the previous administration's bullshit. Yeah, it. but it, it was a it was a disastrous it was a disastrous end to the war in Afghanistan. It, was a, it, it wasn't a it was, well. Republicans got us in there, and then Republicans Republicans tried to get us out in the worst way possible. And 
who had to pay well, come on. The Democrats are pro. The Democrats are pro war too. Just look at the way they talk now. Come on, stop it. There are plenty of neocons on the Democratic side too, not just the Republican side. Democrats were many. Most Democrats were totally behind the Iraq War, at least for the first two years, and all the all the Democrat media totally behind W. I don't think there was. Really we, had, we had liberal. We had liberal commentators saying we're all neocons today. We're all neocons now. Both sides are responsible for that. It wasn't just it, this. This this idea of the Democrats are the peace-loving anti-war movement. You're you're about fifty years late on that, baby. Um, like I'll, I'll agree with you that with the Iraq War, even Democrats and all the fucking people were in on it because of certain conditions that happened. But overall, the Warhawks, in my opinion, are people on the right because they need a powerful military, they need to have their projection of power everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Like, Democrats don't really want to do that, but at the same time, Democrats will go into war if, if there are political things online and if it's for a good cause. So Oh no! Come on, that's just a, come on. <laughs> Rose-colored glasses way of thinking. It's a truth. Like okay, if there's money. If there's money and if there's money and power involved, let's look at all the wars. George W. Bush. Was the first if they can make US money off of it, uh, well, come on. LBJ. LBJ is responsible for the increase in the Vietnam War. I agree with you, but overall, like in the last, like say, thirty, forty, fifty years that we've been alive. No, only one. What do you talk? Obama got us into about seven conflicts as many. Hold on, president. And you know I'm not a Trump ass kisser. Quite the opposite. Hold on. The only president in our lifetime who hasn't gotten us into any new conflicts was Donald Trump. Because he's only in there for four years. It doesn't matter. Oh, now it's only four years. Okay, so. Uh, let's Hold look on. at other Hold presidents for two years. See. Jimmy Carter got us into more conflicts. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Four years is four years. What, okay, what did he? What conflict did he have? What's that? What conflict did Jimmy Carter get into? Well, the, 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 well, first of all, there was huge problems with, but I, there were huge issues with with Iran, right? So that was all during the Carter administration. So that was Carter, so, right? Uh, wait a minute. Jimmy Carter only served four years for a reason. And two reasons, basically. Economics, right? We were not in good shape, right? We had a lot of problems with, with gasoline. I remember waiting on these long gasoline lines where they had odd and weekdays and all this nonsense. I remember all that. I could basically remember that stuff. But also with, you know, our problems with Iran, right? With uh, the Middle East. There was a lot of problems rest under under Jimmy Carter. Uh, Reagan won basically because that was one of his promises that he was going to you know, quell that. Of course, there were plenty of conflicts under Reagan as well. That's total bullshit. But really, truly, the, where there was like total peace was was Donald Trump. And a big reason is not because Donald Trump is this genius, because <laughs> there were many leaders, Putin and Kim Jong-un, weren't as crazy as Donald Trump. Unpredictability. <laughs> so it, it kept them at bay, but it, it worked. 
Hey, I don't know if it would have worked for eight years, but it certainly worked just four. We don't know. We don't know. He only served no way. Stephen Carter, you were talking about him getting to a lot of conflicts, and the only conflict that you could bring up was the Iran hostage thingy. The thing is, though, which was very poorly handled, just like the Afghanistan thing was very poorly handled. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me speak. The thing is, though, you were saying you went into a conflict. That wasn't a conflict. Iran had a fucking revolution, and then after the revolution, they started getting a little fucking crazy and anti-Western. Mm. And okay, so you know uh, what? I'll tell you American. what. And they took, hold on, hold on, uh, hold wait on. a minute. And they took, and wait they, a minute. I don't have any presidential. On, I was I was seven years old. We don't have any presidential historians on this show. How about? How long ago true, was that? What? How long ago was Jimmy Carter? From what I remember, it was like late seventies, early eighties. What you know? If you, with what you know, it's in the history. It's seventy six to eighty. It's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like you are over exaggerating certain things. Just because you're pushed into a conflict. That's one thing, but going out of your way to fucking invade and bomb and all this shit with Oh, a Biden, Bush. come on, Obama was the master bomber. He loved bombs, he loved drones. He was the president, he was president drone for eight years. Come on. The thing is, though. Well, but you know why you don't know about Obama much? Because the liberal media on. didn't cover it. If it were a Republican president, they would have. That's why you don't know much about Obama. No, I'm trying to speak to you. Keep cutting me off. But Obama did not start the war on the Middle East or the war on terror or any of that. That was a neocon bullshit thing that started off in the late 80s, early 90s, and it continued. George he w. escalated. There were, there were three more conflicts under Obama oh than there were under oh W. W became, before, believe me, I live here. I'm old enough to remember that W came before Obama. And Obama didn't only continue W's conflict, he started three others. Point. He started droning of three other countries. Three other countries were bombed up. Once again, the reason why you don't know about it is because the liberal media didn't cover that the way they would have if Bush was still president. That's why you don't know it, because you didn't hear about it every day the way you would have heard about it every day if Donald Trump were president, if a Republican were president. That's why. So your perception, your reality that you that you talk about is all perceived from media coverage. But the truth is you cannot erase the fact that the only four years of true peace where there weren't any new conflicts created, new countries bombed were on. I'm just we can go back and forth forever on this, but this is just fact. And. Using one term as an excuse is, is, is nonsense. It's nonsense. You can start a lot of wars, a lot of conflicts in four years. We have seen presidents escalate conflicts and start new conflicts in a lot less than one term. Okay? So that's a nonsense excuse. Once again, I am not a Trump ass kisser, but give credit where credit's due. He lies a lot, but when he says no new conflicts – that we had four years of peace under him, that's true. It's 100% true. So you have to give credit where credit's due. But I, I, I can't believe that anyone still has, with all the facts at hand, this idea, and maybe being Canadian is one of the reasons why, 
that the Democrats are like the party of peace and the Republicans are the party of war. It's so that's in, so incredibly ridiculous. It truly is. It truly is. And whether it's Vietnam or Iraq or Afghanistan or this conflict in Ukraine, how can anyone say that Republicans are the party of war and Democrats are the party of kumbaya and peace? Uh, let's see. Gator, you're saying some things. Did you want to come on? Because I can't read. It's too small. Yemen, Libya, Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, uh, Pakistan, and Somalia all bombed under Obama. Yes, that's true. There you go. Yemen, Libya, Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Pakistan, and I thought it was seven. Somalia were all bombed under Obama. Right, the Democrat. Absolutely true. So, um there's no doubt about it. And Gator, what else did you say? Oh, come on. You want me to be on Twitter Spaces? Twitter Spaces? First of all, Twitter Spaces is a clusterfuck. It's not a real podcast. It's hard to – you really can't record it, and there's no way to put it. And I know someone that's been doing Twitter Spaces. They just quit because it became so unmanageable. It's just, just, it's just like a, a party room. You know, it's, it's very difficult to, to manage it. It's not like – it's not like a, this is, you know, call-in has more of like a talk radio format where I can control it better and bring on callers and guests, which Twitter Spaces is, is so complicated. It really is. And it's all, it's kind of a free-for-all. Plus, there are so, so many going on at the same time, right? So it's, it's I, don't, I don't like it. And first of all, secondly, I should say, Rumble bought call-in. So we'll see what happens. You know, Rumble's been pretty successful. So we'll see what happens now that they've bought Colin, but I want to remind everyone that tomorrow I have that special show, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern time, where I'm going to have on Ian Miller, the author of Illusion of Control. Uh, he previously he wrote the book Unmasked, and we're going to talk about uh, all things uh, Fauci and masks and vaccines and everything we've gone through over the last three years and, and where we go from here. And we'll talk about uh, his book. And uh, we'll talk about RFK Jr. talking about possibly prosecuting Fauci if the time should come. And uh, Ian Miller, Illusion of Control, tomorrow night show. So everyone remember, it's going to be three hours earlier. Okay? All right. Okay, I want to thank everyone for the spirited conversation tonight. I want to thank the callers and everyone listening. And uh, thank you for everything. Remember, this show... Is called and let's be heard. And except for tomorrow, except for Wednesday, it, it usually airs 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. Uh, but tomorrow, special show, Wednesday night show, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern time. It's like I feel like Fox News. Everything's changing. The whole lineup is changing. <laughs> the hours are changing. All right. But until tomorrow night, this is Mike Cachopoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.